Thanks for listening to the Galilee Students Podcast. We exist to help students love God, love others, and serve all. Sweet. How are y'all doing tonight? Awesome. All right, so obviously, as you can see by that trailer, we're going to be talking about the new Black Widow movie that came out. Um, I want to say it was early July it came out. Um, has anyone here seen the movie? Have y'all, a lot of people seen the movie. Y'all like it? I thought it was pretty good. Um, it honestly wasn't anything that I expected it to be, um, but it was really good. I really enjoyed the movie. You should go give it a watch if you haven't seen it. Um, but ultimately, this movie is about Natasha Romanoff. And I actually got a slide up there, uh, B, if you'll hit that next slide. There she is right there, Natasha Romanoff. Um, we know her and see her a lot as the Black Widow. Um, and she finally gets her own movie here. She'd always just kind of been a part of all the Marvel Universe, kind of been in and outs of other movies. Um, she was in all the Avengers movies. Um, and she finally gets her own, her own movie here. Um, and if, you, if you're wondering, the movie's actually, it's not like present time, all right? They're kind of showing you stuff that had happened in her life um, before she died in Endgame um, and the rest of that, all right? So we're looking at her life between, like, Captain America's Civil War and Avengers Infinity War here. It's a time period we're looking at. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, I'm a big Marvel nerd, so I look into all that stuff. You might not care as much as me, but that's cool, you know? Um, but let's get into it. So for a movie about a former Russian assassin haunted by her past, this movie actually kind of starts off at a very peaceful note. All right, when, when the movie first starts, it actually kind of comes in and the camera's like coming through a very hazy, like it's like late night in the summer. Um, it says in Ohio in 1995. Um, and it shows Natasha and her younger sister, Yelena, as kids. Right? And they're out in the yard with their mom, Melina, and they're running around and they're catching fireflies. And it's just a very, a very peaceful scene to open up the, open up the movie with. Um, something probably not a lot of people were expecting. But if you've seen the movie, you know shortly afterwards, shortly after it starts, it's this peaceful scene that kind of turns to chaos, right? The peaceful scene shatters um, when their father, Alexei, gets home, right? And Alexei and Melina, they grab the girls and they escape to an airfield, and then you see, um, also guys, there's going to be some spoilers in here, um, so if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry, but that's what you're coming to. Um, but you see them, they hop, they go to the airfield, and Natasha's actually having to fight these like soldiers, these Russian soldiers, um, and then during their escape, we discover that they're not Americans, nor are they even a real family, right? Um, Natasha and Yelena are not sisters, Alexei and Melina are not their parents, all right? And we discover that Alexei and Melina are actually Soviet spies. And that Natasha and Yelena are trainees in the Black Widow program, which basically brainwashes and physically abuses young girls, right? And turns them into assassins, into government killers, all right? And that's, what, that's the program they had been put into here. And this glimpse of peace that we got for a little bit, it also goes against... The Natasha Natasha Romanoff, I'm going to have to say that name a lot tonight, that might be a problem. The Natasha Romanoff that we see throughout the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Ever since her appearance in the 2010 Iron Man movie, she's been defined by guilt, right? 
All of her actions from spying on Tony Stark in that movie to sacrificing herself in Avengers Endgame, it's all been off guilt, right? All been to erase the wrong that she had done, the sins that she had in her life. She even mentions in the Avengers movie that she believes she has red in her ledger and she wants to desperately wipe it clean. And when you look at Natasha, you see a character with a lot of baggage, a character that's overcome by guilt, and a character that's haunted by a very broken past. And there's symbolism in this for Natasha, in her being the Black Widow. Um, Y'all know what a Black Widow spider looks like? Yeah? All right, they're black, and they got a little, they got a little red dot, like on, I guess their back, their belly. I don't, I don't know what it is. But they got a red dot somewhere on their body. All right? And for Natasha, this red stain, this spot that the Black Widow has, it represents these wrongdoings and these sins in her life. And this is what she's speaking on when she said that she had read in her ledger, right? She's talking about this stain, this sin that she has, these wrongdoings that she's had in her past. And actually, I have a little short video, um, and she actually kind of talks about this in the first Avengers movie with Loki. Um, and we can watch that right quick, B. Every day, I tend not to think over that I'm Russian, or I was. It's really not that complicated. But I got red in my ledger. All right, so as you see, as Loki uh, very aggressively states there, that she has, she has a lot of stuff worked up in her past, right? A lot of things that she's trying to live off, that she's trying to do better for. And as humans, we also have our own red stain, right? We also have our own disease that we are constantly stuck with, and it's called sin. You see, sin is something that's never, it's never really fun to talk, right? You don't, you don't know, like, you're going to be talking about sin one night and be happy about it. Like, that's just not how it works, right? But it's something that's very important for us to know. And it's something for us, um, important for us to be reminded of as well. The sin that we have, what that means for us, right? And also the sacrifice and how that connects to sin. So it's just a really important thing that I believe to look into. And I actually have a slide you can throw up there, B. There it is right there. So you guys see, what sin is... Um, Sin, sin is the bad choices that we make in our life, right? Sin is the, the unbelief. Um, sin is putting yourself before God. Sin is choosing to live a life that you want instead of the life that he wants for you, right? Sin is being selfish and self-centered. And you see, sin is really just this disease that we are stuck with. And like every other disease, it comes with symptoms, right? It comes with things that are going to break us down, things that are going to hold us back obstacles that we're going to have to face. I actually want to take a break here and read a little passage from Mark. It's in Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. You can toss those up on the screen. It says, So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
She has suffered a great deal, deal under the care of many doctors and has spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. All right, guys, so here we have this lady, and she's, she's been, she has this problem that she's just bleeding, like, eternally, right, constantly bleeding. And so she's like, you know, this Jesus' guy is coming through. Um, she hears, probably heard about Jesus, probably even listened to him speak a little bit, knows who he is. So she goes up, and she's like, if I can just touch this man's cloak, maybe I can be healed. Pick back up in verse 30. It says, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trilling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So you see, guys, this woman, she had, she had this disease that made her untouchable. She had this disease that made her untreatable, that made her poor. She had a disease that was constantly deteriorating her. And just like this, sin can be that same thing in our lives. Sin can be that same disease that deteriorates us, that burns us out. And worst of all, at the end of it, it can leave us feeling helpless and hopeless, right? And like we don't, we don't have any control on what's going on in our lives. And you see, the worst thing about it is that we can spend all the time we want, we can spend all the time we have trying to figure out a way to stop doing it, and we won't be able to do that, right? We won't be able to find a cure. You won't be able to find a way to go through your life without sin. It'll continue to go on in my life. It'll continue to go on in your life and the adults' lives here. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? We all at some point say yes to us and no to God. We all at some point think we're good, we're right, when really we're not. When really we're falling away from where we need to be. When we're struggling. When we're at our lowest points. And you see, I believe that sin likes to creep up in our lives without us even, without us even realizing it. Right? We know that the devil likes to come up when we're not expecting it. And he likes to, he likes to seek you out right, and tempt you. I think the same way sin can creep up in your lives without you even expecting it, right? You start, you know, you start with, with the lies, right, the, the cheating, the sneaking around. You smart, start with the little bad choices, but then you get comfortable, right? You, you figure out that you can do all this stuff, and then you start to choose yourself over God on a lot bigger scale, right, on a lot bigger scale. And the more you do that, the more we choose ourselves over God, the more we try to get away with these little sins, these bad choices, it grows and it grows and it grows and it leads to you making choices that you didn't really think that you would ever make, right? Or it can lead to separation, which grows this hole inside of us, right? That separation from God when we get that emptiness feeling inside of us. And then when it comes down to it, when we have that hole inside of us, we like to fill it with what we want to fill it with, right? Whether that's relationships, whether that's performance, whether that's popularity. We all, we all have something, right? And eventually we keep filling it, and we keep filling it, and we keep filling it. And the things that we're filling it with, they don't even, they don't work no more, right? We're filling, we're filling our bodies, we're filling our souls, our hearts with these things. 
that we think are going to make us happy, happy, and after having it for a little bit, it's, there's nothing there, right? Because it's temporary. It, it leaves. It doesn't keep you satisfied. It's not meant to keep you satisfied. And we find ourselves lost. We find ourselves empty. Probably a lot like Natasha felt when she broke out of the Black Widow program. In the movie, you kind of see a little, you get to see some like flashbacks and stuff. Um, and they kind of like talk about things that happened in the past. And they talk about um, Natasha. Like, I guess, I don't know if she really escaped, broke out, what she did. But when she got out of that Black Widow program, can y'all imagine how lost she probably was? Right here, here is a woman who was forced to do all these things, forced to kill these people. She had no family. Her only family that she ever even had, like, around was, was fake. It wasn't even real. It didn't even mean anything. She was lost with no direction to go. You know, a lot of times we can feel like that. A lot of times we force ourselves to sin because of what other people might think. Or we force ourselves to sin because we want to be a part of what's going on, right? We, we, we allow ourselves to do that, right? Sometimes we know that we don't need to be doing the choices we're making, but we continue to do it anyways, right? And in that sense, you're kind of forcing yourself to sin. She had no family. A lot of times you can get lost. And in sin, you can lose people around you, right? I can tell you right now that I have lost people because of choices that I've made in my life, right? And sometimes we can allow sin to get a hold of us and we get lost in these choices. And next thing you know, the people around you that were really there for you, that really loved you, they're not there anymore, right? Because we chose these other things. We chose ourselves. She was lost with no direction to go. So the big question is, what does this mean? All right, we have this sin in our lives. We have this disease that we can't do anything about. What does that mean for us? What does redemption look like? When you look at redemption for Natasha, she kind of had a chance of redemption in her own way. Right? She was given a chance to do something. Right? She, was, she was given a chance to be a part of something a lot bigger than herself. Right? When we look at S.H.I.E.L.D., when we look at the Avengers. And she was given the opportunity to go out and save lives and do good for other people. And for her, that was her redemption. Right? Like a lot of the heroes you see, they just kind of come up as heroes. Right? And they go out and they save the world. But for her, it was not like that. And for her, what they were doing, that was her redemption. That was her way to cleanse her red and her ledger. She believed that if she could do good for others, she could wash away her wrongdoings. You know, for Christian viewers, there's something relatable in Natasha's struggle. Right? We all know the shame of having read in our ledgers. And we also all feel tempted to divine ourselves according to some past failing. Right? We all, we all want to make up for the past wrong that we've done in our life. And our desire to break free from that, we sometimes feel the need to, I guess, how should I say this? To take it on ourselves. Alright, so say some people might think like, you know, I've done this bad to people, I haven't treated these people right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do good, right? I'm going to go and I'm going to help these people, I'm going to love on these people, you know, I'm going to guide these people through this part, right? And a lot of times we like to do that ourselves, 
right? We try to make up with, with um, doing the right thing. But a lot of times, I also feel like sometimes we feel like we just need to take it ourselves, right? You've done all these wrong things. Maybe you've been getting away from them. You've had the sin in your life, and you feel bad. And some people feel like they just need, they need the consequences, right? And if they get those consequences, it'll make up for the wrong that they've done. But the truth is, guys, neither, neither one of them is the right answer, right? Yes, you're supposed to do good. It's good to do good. Right? It's good to treat people with love. But that's not, that's not the only thing that gets you to God. Right? Dealing with the consequences for the bad things you did isn't going to get you to God. Because truth is, we're all sinners living in a fallen world. Right? Every one of us has experienced these shortcomings and these failures. But we have a God who loves Right? We have a God who forgives. We have a God who's chosen us even when we don't choose him. Right? And as a gathering of believers, the church should exist, should not exist to have to impress each other. Right? We're all sinners here. I shouldn't have to go out and do good things just for you to think good about me. Right? Like I love y'all death. I don't mean nothing bad like, like that. But it's the same way, other way around. Right? We're not called to come up here and just do good things and that's it. Right? That's not how we get praise. That's not how we just lead people to Christ. Rather, the church should exist for people haunted by their sins. Right? The church should open up their arms and hope that people who have sinned all in their life walk through the doors every Sunday, every Wednesday night. The church should provide a place to forgive one another and to point each other towards the grace that covers it all. See, guys, it's good to go out and do good. It's good to go out and love. But if you're not truly pointing to the grace that allows us to do that, right? If you're not pointing to the one person who showed us forgiveness before we showed it to anybody else, then you're not going as far as you could. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, guys, the redemption that we're looking for is right here around us, right? It's right here in this building. It's at the other building. The redemption we're looking for should be in each other, right? James is urging us here to pray for each other. He says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, right, guys? We can find redemption through prayer for each other, right? We can also find redemption through seeking out Christ, through staying in his word, and following him and giving him everything you have. You see, guys, no explicit prayers happen in Black Widow. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a Christianity movie. But the, the movie does feature one scene that's kind of something like a church service. Um, I was actually going to get the video for y'all, but it was, it, was a, it was a really long scene. So I'm just going to kind of explain it to you right quick. Um, and I do have a picture, though. Uh, Brandon, you see the picture? Yeah, there it is. All right, so here they are. Um, enjoying their one little meal as a family throughout the movie, or family, I guess you could say. Um, but during this meal in the kitchen, the four spies really begin to break down, right? They're yelling at each other. They're totally losing it, trying to figure out what they're going to do next, how they're going to um, take down uh, off uh, the dude they were going after. And they're really just, they're breaking down, and through anger and disappointment and hurt, they slowly reveal to one another that their time together did kind of mean something, right? The time that they had as a family when they were younger, it did mean 
something, right? And it meant that their lives were more than just killing and spying. And they continued to open up and be vulnerable with each other. And Natasha and Yelena expressed to Alexia and Melina the suffering that their actions caused as parents. And Alexia and Melina revealed that they really, they didn't have a chance, you know. Like they were in this system, they were working, they had to do what they had to do, right? And for a moment in this scene, this group of broken, hurting, guilty people simply sit and just share a meal together. And you know, we should kind of know how this feels. See, every Sunday morning, we set out a time for communion and in order to remember what our God did for us. And for a little bit, as a trace pass, well, not as a trace pass right now, as we open up our broken cup together and take it, you know, all we are is just a group of people in here, a group of broken people, a group of hurting people, a group of people that might have broken families and broken pasts, but we're simply sitting here and we're sharing a meal together. And any Christian who has taken communion knows that there's grace in a shared meal. Right? When Christ invites us to his table to share his bread and his juice, he does so regardless of the red in our ledgers. You see, with his sacrifice, our ledgers have been forever wiped clean. And his invitation to join him, to join a church, to join this family is more real and more eternal than anything that this world will ever have to offer you. Ever. See, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As I get ready, get ready to wrap up here, earlier I spoke on this hole, this emptiness that can grow inside of us, right? When we like to choose ourselves over God, when we like to choose sin in our lives. See, guys, when we choose this sin and this emptiness opens inside of you, it can lead to a lot of bad things. It can lead to feeling like you need to chase satisfaction. It can lead to isolation, depression, anxiety. It can lead to confusion or doubt over what's going on in your lives. But the worst thing is that when we open up this emptiness, it separates us from Christ. And we see here, Paul says in Romans, for the wages of sin is death. And you guys, Paul isn't saying here that if you go out and you tell a lie or cheat, you're going to die. That's not what he's saying. He's looking past our life here on earth, right? He's looking at the bigger picture, right? He's looking at heaven, right? He's saying here that for the wages of sin is death. Right? If we on this earth choose ourselves, if we choose the world, if we choose the people around us, if we choose sin, we don't get that. Right? We don't get that eternal life with our God. And in that, that is a way to experience death. Right? But the second half of this verse says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, guys, when we choose God... When we choose God to fill that hole inside of us, when we choose God to guard our hearts, to lead us through life, when we choose Him as our own personal Savior, we receive a gift. We receive a gift that's better than any other gift you could receive, right? Because it's a gift that calls us to just believe and to trust in our Lord. 
It's a gift that wraps us in love. And it's a gift that allows us to spend eternity with our Father in heaven. Right? And all you got to do is choose it. All you have to do is choose it. All you have to do is accept Him as your Lord and Savior and strive to live a life like He did. All you have to do is stay in Scripture, prayer, and strive to be like Him. And then choose Him. Choose Him of everything else in your lives. Alright? And that's how we get our redemption. That's how we have been redeemed in Him. That's all I got for y'all tonight. I'm going to pray for us, um, and then we'll be able to hang out for a little bit. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for another amazing Wednesday night. Um, I thank you for every guy and girl in this room, Lord, um, and the will that they have to just come here and have some fun, um, learn about you, Lord, and grow relationships with one another. I ask that you keep us safe um, as we leave here tonight, and we all have a good rest of the week at school, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Galilee Students Podcast. We exist to help students love God, love others, and serve all.